Welcome to the Love and Grace Podcast. My name is Joel Mengen. Today in studio, we've got Thea Suspiris. Hello. And via Zoom, we've got Keith Giles. How are we doing, Keith? Hey, I'm doing great, Joel. Uh, good to see you guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. Well, Keith, um, I like to start off with, with some uh, really simple questions. Um, first off, where's home right now? Yeah, um, well, for... For the last year and a half or so, um, back in El Paso, Texas, where my wife and I originally met uh, going to Utah, El Paso. We just moved back here um, and getting readjusted in a place. We haven't lived here for like 25 years. So coming back was in some ways familiar, but in some ways a bit of a shock because uh, I think we'd forgotten kind of why we left. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, now we're being reminded and it's mostly good. So we're, we're glad to be back here. Good. What? Um... Did you get to grow up in a Christian home? I did, yeah. Um, I, I'm an only child, so um, my parents moved us to a little little tiny border town in Texas called Eagle Pass, Texas. Um, that was probably like around second grade, uh, and uh, we weren't Christians at the time. Didn't go to church, although I. I had already been asking my parents questions about God and, mm-hmm. and most of them they couldn't answer, which frustrated me. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we ended up visiting several different churches, nearly became Mormon. Thank God mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> and then we ended up, you know, by God's grace at a, play, a little place called the Lighthouse Free Will Baptist Church in Eagle Pass, Texas. And uh, that's where my, my kind of my questions got answered. And um uh, sort of figured out who Jesus was all about. And then my my um, mom and dad and I were all three baptized together. And yeah, that was it was an amazing experience. And so, yeah, uh, ever since then, I was raised in a Christian home. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was very supportive, really most, for the most part, really positive, yeah. Okay. What led you to an encounter with Jesus? You know, it's funny, I, I, this may sound strange, but even before I sort of officially met Jesus at that little... Free Will Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to lay in bed and talk to God all the time. Um, <laughs> in fact, significantly, even before we moved, we I, I was born in Tennessee. My family's all from Tennessee. And um, so before we moved away to Eagle Pass, um, again, not Christians, didn't go to church, didn't read the Bible, you know. Um, but it, even as a kid, I, I had questions about God, and I would lay in bed and talk to God. And I can, I remember... Um, my mom and dad were separated, and I found out later they actually did officially get a divorce, um, legally a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, but the judge who ruled for the divorce told, gave them 90 days and said if they, if they reconciled in 90 days, uh, you know, they would nullify the divorce order. And I remember laying in my bed, and I was oblivious to that. All I knew was my dad didn't live at home anymore, mm-hmm. and uh, my mom and dad were arguing and stuff. So I remember laying in bed at my... Um, supposed to be taking a nap at my uh, babysitter's house. And I just laid in bed and I remember saying to God, again, not a Christian, didn't know anything about anything, but I'm laying in bed and I said, God, if you get my mom and dad back together, I'll be a preacher. Now, I don't even know how I knew what a preacher was. I might have visited church once with my neighbor, mm-hmm. one of my neighbors. But um, anyway, that I just felt like, you know, God, if I, I kind of made a deal with God. And a few months later, my parents did reconcile, and we moved to Eagle Pass, and lo and behold, then we met Jesus, <laughs> figured out who <laughs> Jesus amazing. was. And um, and yeah, and I guess kind of like that, maybe down the road, that's kind of what led to me feeling like I did want to step into, uh, you know, into the ministry. I became licensed and ordained in my 20s uh, and all that. So was there any uh, any form of rebellion or or searching when you moved out from your parents' house? No, I mean my I did have a rebellion period, um, but it was when I was still it was when I was in high school. So my um, my junior year of high school, I met this girl from Houston, Texas. I thought she was the one. Um, God works some, I won't go into the details, but man, it's pretty phenomenal stuff. I think I, I think I shared this in one of my books. Mm. Uh, might be Jesus, uh, Jesus unveiled, but anyway. Um, yeah. Some, some seriously miraculous things happened um, around with that relationship, which I took to mean that she was the one I was going to marry. 
And I actually did propose to her and gave her a ring and blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is, I'm a junior in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, then it didn't work out. She, a few months later, she, she breaks up with me. And I was so angry at God. And so my entire senior year of high school, I did everything I could possibly do uh, to run from God. I rebelled from God. I refused mm-hmm. to pray to God. Um, I did some things that by the, to be honest, even though I was running as far away from God as I possibly could and doing some really stupid self-destructive things, mm-hmm. looking back on it, I think God was closer to me there mm. during that time than ever because he really made sure I didn't destroy my life because that's mm-hmm. kind of what I was trying to do. And mm-hmm. I can see now all the ways that he cut me off and blocked me and made sure I didn't um, ruin my life. So I'm very mm-hmm. grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Wow. So uh, you mentioned that you've, you've written a few books. Uh, what are, what are the, what, what got you to the point where you thought I need to write something? What, mm-hmm. what, what was that thing? What was uh, some sort of, so to speak, light bulb things like, Oh, I need to tell people about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, from a very young age, I've always loved writing. I love reading books and, and, and I always wanted to be a writer. I mean, it was, I used to go as a teenager, I would go to the bookstore, you know, in the mall and I would go to the science fiction section and I would look at the books there and I would, I could visualize where my books were going to fit, you know, between <laughs> like uh, Alan Dean Foster and Robert Heinlein or something. And uh, so that was my, always my goal was to be a writer. Uh, again, I thought I was going to write science fiction. But, I mean, I've always been a writer. I've always loved writing. Um, there was a point, though. Um, I was in – when I was living in California, um, I had a job that was really technical. And I'm a very creative person. I really hated – it was like spreadsheets and stuff. And I'm, that's not my not my life at all. So uh, I have felt this need for a creative outlet. And I started basically writing science fiction stories and short stories and scripts. I found some artists. I put together this thing. You can actually go see it. It's still on the internet. It's called plasticanimalstudios.com. And me and several other artists put together these comics and graphic novels. We got some some things published in an anthology. We went to Comic-Con and mm, shopped it around. Cool. And it was a blast. I mean, I was having a lot of fun. And then um, after doing that for about a year or so, I had a conversation. Though, So it was a very specific moment. I, I met a friend of mine for lunch. And um, driving home from that lunch meeting, um, my friend was such a catalyst for me. He's a, he's a painter. He's an artist, like a, a fine artist. And uh, that's what he does with his life. He's an artist. And just hearing him share the stories of how he was using his creative gift to draw people to the kingdom in mm. creative ways. Um, driving back to work from lunch after that lunch meeting, I just made a decision. It was like, you know what? What if I, well, actually it was a question. It was sort of like, what if I were to use my writing for the kingdom? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't feel any condemnation from God, like I shouldn't be doing the science fiction stuff. It was more like, hey, wouldn't this be interesting? What if you did that? Mm-hmm. And I, and then by the time I got to work, I, I had made up my mind I was going to do that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I dropped that. Um, I started writing a blog mm-hmm. on, on religious, spiritual, just kind of my own spiritual um, learnings and, and things that God was showing me. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty quickly after that, I started writing a column for Relevant Magazine mm-hmm. called Subversive, and um, and so yeah, that, that there was a, just there was a moment where I really felt like God was kind of giving me a better path. I like to say, mm-hmm. hey Keith, maybe you should write, use your writing gift, you know, to draw people to Christ. And so mm-hmm. I started doing that, and then it's because I was blogging. I blogged for about fifteen, you know, sixteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those blogs then eventually became. Uh, some things that I put together to be some my, my first books that I published. Okay. Um, from what I've seen in some of, of some of your books, they are very different to the the typical teachings that we've we've had thus far in in the in the church. Um, help mm-hmm. help me understand where where you were coming from and what what um what got you into that direction yeah well absolutely uh, you're right in uh, in that sense that a lot of my books are kind of against the grain of a lot of what's you know kind of popular i guess in mainstream uh christianity 
I think that's sad, though, because um, I, I mean, of course, I feel like what I'm writing about, what I'm trying to do, and I, I have a series of books called the Jesus Un series, mm-hmm. um, and with each book, what I'm doing is focusing on a specific, uh, either an ideology or a doctrine or a teaching in the church that I grew up with, mm-hmm. um, and kind of showing how it isn't either a it isn't what I was told it was, or or and or. Um, it's a kind of a teaching that actually is a barrier that I think has been built up between us and God or us mm-hmm. and Jesus mm-hmm. that I feel like I need to expose it and tear it down so that we can have more direct understanding and access to, to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of been my, uh, my focus. So the first book I wrote in this series that I did, which I didn't intend to write a series, of course, I, I, I thought at first I was just writing, a single book. I wrote this book called Jesus Untangled, uh, Crucifying Our Politics to Pledge Allegiance to the Lamb. And it's really about my own struggles and uh, how the Holy Spirit really just re- showed me that I, I at the time, I was more American than Christian. Um, I couldn't tell where mm. my faith began and my patriotism ended. Mm. Um, and so that was like, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of showed me that and I walked through that and I, uh, I, I made some changes in my life. And then having gone through that, I realized I'm not the only person struggling with this. In fact, I see the church in America really struggling with this mm-hmm. question. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I wrote the first book. And then mm-hmm. after that, um, the, all the other books just kind of flowed naturally out of um, out of that first one. And I just focused on other themes about uh, the church or the doctrine of hell or the end times mm-hmm. um, or things like that, or even how we approach scripture. Um, and my mo- the most recent book that... I wrote looks at um, the cross and the atonement, uh, things like that. Mm. Okay, well, those are actually very similar to the the paths we've been mm-hmm. digging down probably over the last tenish years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything from uh, lo- you know because of the title of the podcast, loving grace, or just what. How do you, how do you handle, um, for instance, uh, at the time, Theus was our youth leader, mm-hmm. um, and he asked the question in one of our one of our leaders meetings. It's like, what what do you do if if uh, someone comes into the church in the middle of service with a gun and starts waving around and and being being aggressive with it and the conversation went all over the place. Oh, we're going to tackle him. Oh, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do that. And it was a very, it was a very important question to get you thinking. And Theo, go ahead and touch off that just a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, just, do you care so much about people that uh, it's, you're like Jesus. Like it's about not just the innocent, but the people that are guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When when yeah. God opened up the the prison doors, that's for everyone. That's not the the innocent, the people that are, you know, are thrown into jail that are innocent. But mm-hmm. it's the people that are guilty. But even when we think people are guilty, there are situations and things that have been pushed onto them that may have kind of pushed them over the edge, and they are aggressive and. Um, wanting to fight. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I asked that yeah. question just because um, if there was a person that c- came in, uh, what is our response? Is it is it out of aggression, out of fear for our lives, or do we really care about the life of that person? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. For for me, I, I, I would um, give life. I would share words of life rather than uh, physical punish, like punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, right. yeah, it, yeah, and I, I think our entire journey was kind of just asking these questions. I think we read a book called Pagan Christianity, looking at the roots of kind of like the, the Roman kind of um, yeah. rule in Christianity. We've read so many different books, and um, I think the, the, the pinnacle one was when we um, kind of looked at the law and we're like, you know, it's just love. And that was probably one of the moments in our group where it was like we, we butted heads because yeah, we were like, was... I don't know. Um, and I was like, I think it's just love. I mean, if if love is the end all be all, and mm-hmm. God show us, and He definitely did. Yeah, 
kid. Yeah. So yeah, just uh, go ahead, Keith. Oh, I just want to, I want to piggyback on that a little mm. bit. Cause I think that's a wonderful insight. And I, mm. um, I, I posed a similar question once online, uh, like on mm. Facebook and, um, you know, what, what should Christians do if a man comes into the, you know, to the church intent on doing violence to people in the church. And of course, unfortunately, most of the Christian responses that you get are things like, well, I, I, you know, drop him with my Glock or, you know, mm-hmm. I take him out, you know, blow his brains out or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, here's the problem with that approach. It's like, well, we should be really grateful that the early Christians didn't have the same attitude we do. Oh yeah. Or they would have mm-hmm. killed, they would have killed Saul of Tarsus before he could have been converted and written most of our new Testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. so in other, in other words, understand um, it's because early Christians, uh, you know, understood what you're talking about they understood that oh no we're not we're not supposed to respond to violence with violence we're supposed to love our enemies we're supposed Mm -hmm. to leave room for the grace of god um Mm -hmm. to to change this person's heart Mm -hmm. and 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 then see saul is a great example so because Mm -hmm. god did change his heart now he now he not only becomes uh, our brother um, he's someone who now is contributing so much beautiful Mm -hmm. you know stuff that we really all of us can benefit from Mm -hmm. in the body of christ and so, yeah, I'm really grateful that those early Christians weren't thinking that the same way we do. And I think it, that's one of the things I'm trying to bring out in my books is that mm-hmm. we have moved so far away from a Jesus-centered um, ethic, a Jesus-centered way yeah. of, mm-hmm. of, uh, of being. And, it, and it's so ironic, and we can get into them. There, there's so many reasons why this is, but uh, we unfortunately are living in a time where uh, you can call yourself a Christian— in America, especially, mm-hmm. um, you can call yourself a Christian, but what you you don't mean, I am a follower of Jesus. Meaning, mm-hmm. I wake up every morning saying, "How can I follow the actions, the teachings, mm-hmm. uh, the example of Jesus in my everyday life?" Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but that is what Jesus meant. I mean, that's what he intended, right? Mm-hmm. Why do you call mm-hmm. me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? Mm-hmm. And it would be like it'd be like if you met someone and they said, um, I'm Jewish. And you would say, Oh, you, you must uh, follow Moses and the Torah. Oh no, no, I don't follow Moses. Or someone says, no, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Muslim. Oh, you must follow the teachings of Muhammad. Oh no, no, I don't follow that guy. Or I'm mm-hmm. a Buddhist. Oh, you must follow the teachings of Buddha. Oh no, no, I don't follow mm-hmm. that guy. Mm-hmm. But like you think, well, what way are you a Buddhist? What way are you a Muslim or, or a Jew? Mm-hmm. And yet you can say, I'm a Christian. And then when I say, Oh, do you follow Jesus in your day? No, no, I don't do that. Like, well, then what are you doing? <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't understand what we think we're doing if we're not intentionally daily uh, allowing the life of Jesus uh, as we abide in him and he abides in us to mm-hmm. to drive and direct our everyday actions. Like that mm-hmm. should be the main thing we're about. Well, if I can bounce off of that, not necessarily my theology, but maybe someone in our audience would think about this. I've I've been taught that that um, Jesus Jesus um, did this for me, and he um, there's there's no way I can act like Jesus. He was God, right? How how do you, how, what would you be your response to that question? Oh wow! I, I well I do I've gotten that response many times, and it's really sad to me that we we've, we've convinced ourselves, or we, we've allowed pastors or Sunday school teachers to convince us um, that not only should we not attempt to follow Jesus? Because if we do, that's some sort of works, you know, based salvation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or that, that the whole point somehow uh, to Jesus' entire life and ministry, that entire like, you know, four and a half pages of sermon and the red letters of the, the Sermon on the Mount was a giant exercise in Jesus just wasting his breath, telling you to do a bunch of stuff you can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I say, look, we misunderstand that we actually not only are we called to do it it's um i think what we've done is we've misunderstood um you know how that works out again we we we, we ignore verses that say for example i think it's first peter that says god has given you everything you need to live this mm-hmm. kind of life mm-hmm. um you know the, the the whole point of grace is not just to get you into heaven the blood of jesus mm-hmm. isn't just to get you into heaven it's is to empower you to live a life that does reflect Jesus. Um, this is why all through the, not, not only Jesus' teachings, but Paul's writings as well, is this idea of, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't possible, why would we, why would, you know, people are continually urging us to do that. 
Uh, it's because we can do it. Now, what we sometimes will say is, well, but, you know, I can't do it perfectly. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, that's sort of like if you're trying to teach a toddler to walk and they fall down a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. You go, you know, you know, never mind, son. Just stay. Just keep crawling. You can be 30 years old crawling on the floor. It's OK. Just stop trying because you, the first 10 times you fell down. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you don't do that. Right. You recognize that. Sure. You're going to make mistakes, but that doesn't mean you stop. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean you give up. Um, and, and our expectation shouldn't be that we do it flawlessly. Of course, um, mm-hmm. we're going to fall short of those things, but we are still called and empowered, right? Jesus says, mm-hmm. my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Why? Because he's right there with us. We're not alone trying to do this. Uh, it's Christ in us. That is the hope of glory. It's Christ abiding mm-hmm. in us and us abiding in him, mm-hmm. um, that, that teaches us and allows us to, to follow him, to, to love our enemies and bless those who curse us, do good to those who hate us, uh, care for the poor and all these kinds of things um, that Jesus was about. This is why he can say, you know, if you love me, you will do the things I have been doing. We like mm-hmm. to jump straight to the, and you'll do even greater things. But mm-hmm. we, no, 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 let's start with, you'll do the things I have been doing. Mm-hmm. Again, we are called to do that. That's step one. Uh, and we, you know, spend some time on that for a while then you can worry about the greater things maybe uh, afterwards. But uh, again, it's it's absolutely possible. I think you can make a really strong case that it, this is exactly what Jesus intended. Um, and that otherwise, like the flip side of that coin would be uh, uh, Dallas Willard, who I love. Uh, he used to express it this way. He says, you know, if you don't understand that following Jesus is about discipleship, it is about literally following him in your daily life then you end up with a kind of Christianity where he calls them vampire Christians, mm-hmm. where you essentially just say to Jesus, look, I just need enough of your blood to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. I have no intention of following you. Thanks mm-hmm. for the blood. I'll see you when I get to heaven. And uh, that's not Christianity. I'm sorry. That's not what we're called. Right. Uh, yeah. Not what we're called to at all. Um, there was uh, one post I saw. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I can't remember who, who posted it, but I shared it. Um, so it was, what if, what if questions, what yeah. if hell, heaven and hell weren't real, weren't, weren't mm-hmm. a thing? Yeah. Would you still be a Christian? Would you still want to, to follow Jesus? Are, or are we turning salvation into a get out of, get out of hell card? Yeah. So just really putting it back to the idea of what are you living are you living or are you doing whatever you're doing just to get to heaven or are you doing something for the here and now the people around you well well, i kind of think like the kind of the previous point where where we were talking about how people are kind of can't do the stuff that jesus did because they think they can't Mm -hmm. and i think the gospel is kind of that type of gospel where um, it's very, uh, are you going to hell or to heaven? That type of gospel, I think, kind of breeds that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, yep. you're so you're so enamored by you being a sinner that you cannot be like Christ. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it, it yep. just seems like it's just, it, it's just so condemning uh, mm-hmm. or very heavy yep. on you. It, the, the gospel just seemed like it's, it's very heavy. It's not like, like what you said, it's supposed to be, you know, my, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's supposed to be yeah. that type of gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And see, that's a great point. I think um, that's one of my pet peeves. Um, and the most recent book I wrote, uh, I have a, a whole chapter <clears throat> on our uh, uh, our fixation with sin. Um, mm. And I think that's just the wrong way. It's completely mm. the, the wrong thing to do. I don't, mm. Again, you know, it's one of these things where, you know, supposedly Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, what I think most Christians experience if they grow up in the church at all is, behold the Lamb of God who will constantly remind you of yeah. the fact that you're a sinner every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, well, when when do we ever get free from sin? I mean, the whole, did he set us free from sin or not, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think one of the more... Um, phenomenal passages that I've seen that just, I I have it actually on a post-it note above my desk because I I see it. I look at it every day and I I think it's what I I want more Christians to get 
sort of Im- <laughs> embedded in their minds, <laughs> seared in their in their brains, mm-hmm. tattooed behind their eyelids. Second <laughs> Corinthians, Second Corinthians five nineteen. For God was in Christ, not counting our sins against us, but reconciling the world to himself. Mm. See, the starting point should be, what has God done with sin? He's dealt with it. He's forgiven it. He's cast it as far as east is from the west. The whole point of the new covenant is, he says, I will remember their sins no more. And so um, this is God's dealt with it, right? It is finished. It's done. Stop fixating on your sinfulness. Your sins are covered in the blood of Christ. You are loved. You're free. This, so, so if we start there, then what we end up with is my identity is not I'm a sinner. Mm. My identity is I am loved. I am healed. Yeah. I am forgiven. I am accepted. I'm a child of God. Um, you know, like now, that should be our starting point. Um, and the, But the more we stay sort of chained to the, our identity as a sinner, the more we just live that way. We live defeated. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just a loser. You know, And then I have another chapter where I... I, I focus on specifically on what I call worm theology, which flows out of this idea, right? Oh, we have so many hymns and even modern worship songs that will emphasize what a worm I am, what a wretch Mm -hmm. I am again, because I I think that that's who I am. And yet here's what I want people to get. And I've done that. I do this in the book and I've done this, you know, in many different capacities. Um, If you just go and look at like first Corinthians, you know, first Corinthians 13, the love chapter, right? A whole chapter Mm -hmm. telling us about how amazing love God's love is or Mm -hmm. Ephesians chapter three about how high and wide and long and Mm -hmm. deep is the love of Christ that transcends Mm -hmm. all knowledge or Romans where it talks about where Paul says that nothing will ever separate you and I from the love of God, not Mm -hmm. angels, not demons, not the future, not the past, not death. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing in all creation will ever separate you from the love of God. First John, where it says that God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. Mm-hmm. You can just go on and on and on and look at all these amazing, beautiful, incredible passages where the, the, the unbelievable, incredible, astounding love of God is expressed. And you know what? You'll never find not one time, and I challenge you to go and do it. Go and read those passages, and what you'll never see, not even once, is a little sentence or even a little asterisk that says, and you don't deserve it, you filthy worm. Mm -hmm, God mm -hmm. never says that. That's not coming from God. Now, we read that in. I might add that in to my my version of it. It That might creep into my thought, but God never says that. In the Mm -hmm. same way, I would never say this to my children. I have two, two young boys. Well, they're in their 20s now, just graduated college. But, you know, I can't imagine ever saying to my sons how much I love them and going on and on about my incredible love for them and how much I would just do anything for them and how they make my life so wonderful. And then go and then look them in the eye and say, but, you know, sons, you don't deserve it. Now, here's what I would say. And this this I think is more accurate. This, I think, is what the father would say to us. Uh, I, I would say something like this. I would tell them how much I love them. And then I would say, and you don't need to earn it because you've already got it. You don't have to deserve it because it's not about that. You've, mm-hmm. you've already you've already received it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I wish our emphasis was on. Uh, I think that's the damage the church has done by emphasizing the sinfulness, em- emphasizing mm-hmm. this worm theology. Uh, and it, frankly, I hate to say it this way, but I think in many cases, um, it's sort of because once you really set people free, it's really difficult to build some kind of a religious system mm-hmm. on absolute freedom, <laughs> absolute mm-hmm. acceptance in Christ. Um, it's much easier to keep people, you know, keep the butts in the seats, keep them coming back every week to get another little dose of forgiveness, but it's just enough to get them to next week. Um, that's my concern. And so anyway, that's why I've written this book to hopefully set people free from this kind of stuff. I would love to see us have our starting point be our, our freedom in Christ, our forgiveness in Christ. That's our identity. That's who we are. Yeah, uh, reminded. I don't know if this is, you know, originally from Chris Valentin, but um, Chris <coughs> shared. Um, he would say this a lot, but uh, that if 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 you believe that you are a sinner saved by grace, you will flow from that idea. You will just sin naturally. That'll yeah, just yeah, be yeah. it. You're sinning by faith. You're sinning you, by faith. Because right. you, that's that's you're putting your faith in you being a sinner. Mm-hmm. Right. Rather so, than him re- redeeming you. Right. Yeah. So just realizing that hey, not you weren't you weren't a sinner saved by grace. You are 
you are in grace, period. Yes. So, yes. Um, this is, <laughs> as um, I think uh, our friend uh, friend Bill Vanderbush has has uh, said that um, people say, "Well, does this give you a, a a license to sin?" Like, no, we don't need a license. We're already doing it. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's, it's it's knowing that there's something better and just aiming for it. Not not just aiming for it, but you know, living in that natural flow. Because when if you do something out of habit, you know, well, that's that's hard, hard to break. But when you get past that and realize it's it's not something you have to do, it's mm-hmm. it's it's good. You can get past the the thought process that you had before. We can we can renew the mind mm-hmm. with the with the correct salvation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Um, gosh, um, was it twenty twenty twenty? Um, we we just had our no twenty nineteen. I forget. Gosh, twenty twenty. Yeah, our, our son was born July twenty twenty, and um, no twenty nineteen. 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 Yeah. Goodness, <laughs> it's been a blur. <laughs> and yeah, I remember having that epiphany of you know like, um, like when Jesus on the cross, looking on his creation, um, thinking you know they don't deserve you know it. They don't deserve salvation. Like when you have a child, goodness, like you look at your child yeah. and you 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 look at your child and like you deserve everything. You deserve yeah. every single thing that I have for you. And if we call on Abba, Abba Father, who's our Father, not just a Lord, but our Father, Mm -hmm. our Father desires everything for Mm -hmm. you. Like, and I think that's kind of just what, kind of the mindset change, rather than him being, you know, just to Lord over you, to to tell you what to do, tell you what not to do. Mm -hmm. Like, to understand that, I mean, why would he sell everything for you? Like you mm-hmm. must be worth something. There must be exactly. something that you don't see in in you that he sees in you. We we we, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh, mm-hmm. but right. to to the spirit, but mm-hmm. to by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. My when my firstborn son was um, was just a, a baby, I think only a couple of days old. You know, he was sleeping uh, between my wife and I in the bed, and I remember I woke up that one that morning. And he was asleep, you know, just laying there asleep. And my wife was asleep. And I just started looking into the face of my my newborn son. And I thought, you know what? I love him so intensely. It just takes my breath away. Even I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I can't believe how much I love this, this kid. And I would die for him in a heartbeat. I would take a bullet for him in a second. Mm-hmm. You know, I would give everything for this kid. And I'm thinking, he, he can't talk. He doesn't know my name. He can't do anything for me except eat and sleep and poop. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah. I don't care. It's not about mm-hmm. any of that. I just yeah. love him so much. And I was so I'm, I'm having thinking about these things, and I'm looking at my son. I'm just feeling this emotion, and I'm telling you, I felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me, and and Keith, that's how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. And so I'm telling good. you, it just it just opens it up. You once you become a parent like that, mm-hmm. I think you, you're better equipped to understand how the Father sees us and loves us so completely. I mean, it completely answered, I think before that, I used to sometimes philosophically wrestle with the question, why does God love us so much? Why does God do so much for us? And then I became a parent and I had that experience with my son and I'm like, no, that's not a question at all anymore. I totally (laughs) get it. (laughs) I completely understand it. Yeah. Um, For kind of like your journey, uh, because we had a journey where uh, we kind of, Kind of deconstructed um, what we've been yeah. taught. I, I kind of like felt in my spirit that there was something beyond um, what was being taught or what was being preached. Did you have something similar? Something like maybe some experiences oh, yeah. where you kind of felt the rift of what you felt the Holy Spirit laid on your heart and what was being taught? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Um, so my big, my big, big epiphany. <clears throat> it was like mm. a huge thing that that rocked everything in my spiritual, I say it, it sort of rearranged all the furniture in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, my wife and I, this is, we were living in California. Um, we had helped to plant a church with some friends of ours. First time we'd ever planted a church from scratch. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. We were really having a, uh, you know, we loved doing it. It was great. And, um, and it was actually 
right about the time I mentioned earlier, you know, that I had, I had felt this call to start using my writing for the kingdom. So I started writing for Relevant Magazine. And my and I was doing this column called Subversive. And my very first interview for that column was interviewing this guy. His name is Todd Hunter. Um, and um, I knew him already. And I, I just thought he'd be an interesting interview. So I'm, this is my my very first interview. And I'm, I'm, I asked him the question, what does he think was the number one problem uh, with Christianity in America today? And, I, and his answer is, is what blew my mind because his answer was totally unexpected. He said, he said, the number one problem with Christianity in America is fundamentally we misunderstand the gospel. Mm. And I said, well, could you elaborate? What do you mean? He goes, well, you know, the gospel is not about saying a prayer so we can go to heaven when we die. Now, at this point in my life, again, I was a pastor. I, we had planted a church. I was licensed and ordained. I had served in ministry off and on for, you know, probably a decade. I'd been, I've done ministry. I've done evangelistic, you know, things, gone out and preached the gospel and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I was flabbergasted. I had no, I had no response. I was like, um, what do you mean? And he said, well, you know, Keith, you know, Jesus doesn't ever communicate the gospel that way. He never says you know, raise your hand if you don't want to burn in hell. Okay, repeat this prayer after me, blah, 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 mm. ding, I'll see you in heaven. Um, you know, mm. that's what it's become. He goes, but Jesus communicates the Gospels, and you can go, it's easy to find. It's in one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you know, go to the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus tells you, red letters, right at the beginning of his ministry, repent, metanoia, think, which just means think different, change your way of yeah. thinking. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of God is within. The kingdom of mm-hmm. God is here now. You can enter the reality of the rule and reign of God right this second. You don't have to wait till after you're dead. And um, that mm. that seriously blew my mind. And um, that, that night, probably around like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. I couldn't sleep. I remember going into my living room and getting on my knees and just really, first of all, apologizing. I said, God, I'm so sorry. I don't know how I missed all this. <laughs> mm. I don't know how I didn't understand this, but I feel as if all these years, since I was like nine years old, up to that point in my life, that I had been trying to follow Jesus without sort of carrying my cross. Like Jesus' whole point was, if you want to follow me, you have to, he must take up his cross daily and follow me, right? This is the only way it works. And, um, and I didn't even fully understand, honestly, what that meant at the time. Mm-hmm. And it took me a couple of years to figure out even what that meant. But um, that was a radical shift for me. And so mm-hmm. once I came to terms with the fact that the gospel wasn't about just getting out of hell getting and getting into heaven after I was dead, that it was about this daily living, this daily connection with Christ, mm-hmm. uh, with the Father through Christ, and this daily abiding in Christ and Christ abiding in me, um, that once I started doing that, I mean, every, all these other things in my life, I started to then also question like, well, what, mm. what does this mean now? How do I understand evangelism now? How do I understand mm. discipleship now? How do I understand, you know, all of these things? And that was sort of the first sort of little Jenga square that got pulled. <laughs> um, and then after that, it was like, poof, everything else came. Mm-hmm. I'm Selah. Selah. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. It's like I said before. It's interesting that 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 God got us got us down this path yeah. of 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 metanoia, changing your yeah. thinking, and yes. brings us across people people like you. I mean, we've got to run into Bill Vanderbush. Bill Vanderbush was a big catalyst into yeah. into our understanding of of love and grace. Um, yes. um, lots of other great ministers um, just completely seemingly from left field but realizing that where we were was not in the middle we, we yeah. weren't in the middle we didn't have a a good understanding of god we had a an understanding of god but it wasn't yeah. wasn't a, a good understanding of god so right. when when seeing these these things that are so um i mean foreign seemingly foreign to um the way we were brought up it just it's first off you you throw up the the um the red flag of oh oh this is different i'm i'm getting ready to to be uh pulled into some sort of uh uh wrong thinking or Mm. what is what is the verse um 
be careful that you're not not thrown with with every uh, wind and wave of doctrine. Wind and wave of doctrine, and when when you can take it back to the roots, like this is how Jesus wanted us set wanted it set up. This is how um, he showed Paul how to how to do it, and and all of these things. When you we can see that those are that's what Jesus really wanted. That's really why he came here to. To get us away from the all this the stupid thinking that we had added mm-hmm. on. I mean, remember with the the law, we had mm-hmm. we had ten ten things we had to follow, but to make sure that we didn't break any of those, we threw six hundred on top of that. Sure, why not? So <laughs> you're right. Mm-hmm. So to think that that following, uh, I guess, yeah. going back to the point of of hey the. The ball's in your court. Do you want? Do you want to uh, follow God or not? You, you can. Yeah. You can follow God and follow all these rules, or you can die and go to hell. I mean, what? 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 Uh, a mm-hmm. person have you ever seen that says, "Oh, hey, this is this is the best way to do something," and showing you how to do it? And it's like, oh, if you don't do it, you're going to die, like right now. Right. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> it's a terrible proposal. Like if you're right. if you're if you're going to propose to your wife, like here, I'm going to. If you're with me, I will love you forever. I will be there for you. Um, yes. You can be my confidant. But if you don't, at this moment, I'll throw you in my dungeon and torture you. Like that yeah. is not that is not a, that is not a great proposal. That's no. that's a that's a psychopath. Mm-hmm. Yes, like, it is. That, that's that's, right. a, that's not <laughs> that's not what the gospel is about. Right. I mean, if you really want the gospel, like amongst all the choices that you have. It has to be very, very good. And that's kind of the good news that we're proposing. Like that's, Jesus is so, so good that you don't have to drink. You don't have to, you know, get drunk. You don't have to do all these different things. Um, uh, just Jesus. He's, mm-hmm. he's yeah. the end all be all. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to put like hell in front of you. I, I can just put Jesus in front of you and you'll choose Jesus no matter what, well, because what he's did, so good. Yeah. What did Paul say? I, I strive to know Jesus and or know Christ and him crucified. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Simplicity. You know, nothing else. Yeah, yeah. The, that's mm-hmm. the only thing. I, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and see, that's to me, that's the answer to the question. You know, people will say like, well, you know, then why follow Jesus if, if hell and eternal torment isn't this real thing or if mm-hmm. God isn't a God of wrath and all these mm-hmm. things? It's like, well, um, and the sad thing is, the people asking me that question are Christians. I've yeah, never had yeah. a non-Christian mm-hmm. ask me that. And I'm like, and so here's a Christian asking me, what's the point of following Christ- uh, Jesus? What's the point of being a Christian if it's not about getting out of hell? And I'm like, yeah. well, have you not spent time with Jesus? Do you yeah, not know right. Jesus? Are you yeah. not experiencing daily this amazing, beautiful connection that you have with the creator of the universe? Mm-hmm. You know, that you have access to God and you're constantly aware of God's grace and his love and his mercy and his, his kindness. And like, um, yeah, that, those are the reasons why, yeah. because he's awesome. And, and that's why you would want to tell other people because you would want them also to have the same connection with God because it's, it's incredible. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And, uh, yeah, it, it concerns me, but again, it's, it goes back to the way, uh, we evangelize, right. Uh, yeah. the, the way we communicate the gospel, most people in churches today, are there because someone communicated the gospel to them in under those terms, right? Mm-hmm, Do you mm-hmm. want to burn in hell forever? Oh, you don't? Okay, I see that hand. Great. Okay, repeat <laughs> this prayer. Ding, now you're going to get out of hell. Mm-hmm. Well, so now now if I take that away from you, if I say, well, no, that's not even what it's about, then now those it, it makes sense that those people are going, well, then if you take that away, then why am I here? I, that's how yeah. I got here. That's yeah. what I thought this was all about. And now if that's not on the table, then like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, again, this is really the church's fault. We, we mm-hmm. have failed yeah. to yeah. communicate the gospel in a way that is about this compelling thing. We were talking before we hit record about how, um, you know, we, we kind of jokingly say, you know, people will say you have to give them the bad news before you give them the good news. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I want to say, well, how come when I'm reading the book of Acts and there's like nine different evangelistic sermons preached there, the, the apostles are not passing out the bad news. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no bad news. There's no threat. There's no shotgun mm-hmm. wedding. It's yeah. it's. You need to, God loves you. He is your father. This, this is the message that Paul preaches to pagan idol worshipers yeah. in Athens. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, let's just wrap our brains around the fact that if you're a pagan 
and and you're worshiping idols, you're doing all kinds of disgusting things. Okay, mm-hmm. you're you're killing things, you're sl- slaughtering things, you're sacrificing mm-hmm. things. There's some sexual practices. Paul mm-hmm. mentions these in Romans. Mm-hmm. It's some pretty bad stuff, guys. Mm-hmm. This is not just simply like I go and I pray and burn incense to a little stone god. No, no, no. You're these people are doing horrific things to worship these pagan idols. Okay, mm-hmm. and to those people. The most godless people who are looking like, oh, these sick, twisted people. Paul says to them, this is his message to them. God is your father and you are his children. And he loves you and blesses you with every good gift so that you might turn and turn to him and know him. He wants you to know who he is. This God is the one in whom all of us live and move and have our being. Mm-hmm. This God is everywhere. He's He's the air you breathe. He's in you. He's around you. He loves you. He cares for you. The end. There's mm-hmm. no threat. Yeah. There's no, if you don't love him and worship him, he's going to squash you, burn you, torture you, come and mm-hmm. get you. It's it's the most overwhelmingly beautiful and incredible welcoming good news um, you know, I, I would challenge anybody with a megaphone who likes to go out, you know, to the flea market or stand on the street corner and, and yell at people that God hates them. Preach, preach like that. Go and preach that sermon. Right. Because these are the kind of sermons preached in the Gospel of Acts. And there's no bad news. It's all good news. Mm-hmm. If you want life, come to know Christ. If you want to know this God who loves you, come to know Christ. If you want life that begins today and continues on into eternity, come to know Christ. It's it's a focus on the good things, right? The fruit mm. that comes from knowing this God and the difference it makes in your life and your actual everyday ordinary life. Mm-hmm. This peace that passes understanding, yeah. um, this, this transformational quality that begins to happen in you the mm. more you spend time with God, the more you mm. are in the presence of Christ, the more you're abiding in him and he's abiding in you. Well, suddenly you're changing. You're becoming a different person, yeah. right? A better mm-hmm. version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, again, these are all the things that, that the apostles, that Paul and all the others emphasize in their preaching. If we could just give people the good news, mm. um, I think it would be so much better because then at least we would have churches, you know, with people in them who are there because they believe that this God loves them, that they are the children of God, that this God uh, has good things in store for them and desires to transform their lives into people who look and act and love the way like Jesus. Um, man, I, I want to get to that place. And, and real quick to your point too, Joel, um, when we talk about these things, uh, a lot of times Christians will hear what, what we're saying and they'll say, this sounds different, you know, red flags go up. I don't know about this. This sounds like some newfangled new age thing. I don't know. Here's mm-hmm. the, here's the, here's what I want those people. If that, if you're feeling that way, here's what I want you to understand. It's, this is not progressive Christianity. It's regressive Christianity. Mm-hmm. Go back and read, not just the gospels or the book of Acts and the epistles of Paul, but, but yes, those two, but go in and read the writings of Tertullian and Origen and Irenaeus and all these first and second century church fathers. And they are talking about the same things we're talking about. They're mm-hmm. emphasizing the same things we're emphasizing. The problem is that 2000 years later, we have layers and layers and layers of theology and doctrines and all kinds of things that have been man-made um, that are mostly fear-based, shame-based or guilt-based that are all about manipulation and control, about keeping you in, uh, you know, underneath the umbrella of the church and the control of this church system. Mm-hmm. Not about not about connecting you to a Christ who loves you and mm-hmm. transforms you and gives you life. So the, this, again, is what I've been focusing on writing my books. I want to, number one, expose this. And yeah. number two, bring us back. I'm not progressing at all. I'm regressing. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. pulling us back to Jesus, back to his message, back to the red letters, back to what Paul yeah. is saying. Right. I want us to get back. I would love to see Christianity get back to a Jesus-centered, Jesus-focused way of living and thinking um, that starts with this place, this, this Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's where we're going to begin. And where we go from there is amazing and beautiful. And it's about freedom. It's about life abundantly uh, you know, in Christ. That's what I want us to, to pull us back to. Uh, so I'm not pulling people away from Jesus. I'm not even pulling people away from Christianity. I'm mm-hmm. actually trying to get us back to an original Christianity mm-hmm. um, that we've strayed from. And all you need to do is just read any of the. Um, there's a. There's a. For example, there's a really great book by a guy named Everhart Arnold, 
and it's called Early Christians in Their Own Words. And it literally is a book of quotes from first century, second century Christians. Mm. And I'm telling you, if you just sat and read through that book and just read the, in these, in these Christians in their own words, talk about what, it, what it's like to know Jesus and follow Jesus, mm-hmm. you will immediately see the contrast between the way they follow Jesus, the way they thought of Christianity, and the way we think about it today. Uh, that was one of the most radical things I did, studying the early church and just saying, wait a second. <laughs> I think what they're talking about looks a lot more like Jesus and makes a whole lot more sense than the kind of Christianity I was, I was given uh, as a young boy and that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Keith, what, what do you have going on uh, today uh, if people are able to watch this on the, the day it was released? What's coming up today? Yeah, well, um, today uh, I am launching a, a brand new three-week online course for my book, Jesus Unforsaken. Uh, it's based on the book, Jesus Unforsaken which is a look at the cross, the atonement, the incarnation, and sort of the implications of uh, really a better way to look at what's happening on the cross. Um, and then where do we go from there? So, uh, yeah, that, that course starts Monday, April 5th, and will continue uh, until April 23rd. Okay. How can people sign up for that? Well, um, the quickest way probably is just go straight to the website. It's, it's a BK and the number two, and then sq, and the number one, dot com, bk2sq1.com. It's sort of short for back to square one. Okay, so I've got BK, that. I've got that at the bottom of the screen there for them. There you go. Uh, and it'll be right there at the top. You can just click and register. It's like 20 bucks. And okay. um, yeah. Keith, how can people get a hold of you? Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, Kind of all over the place. So, but uh, you can find me. I blog on Pathios. My blog. Uh, you can find it. This is just my name, uh, KeithGiles.com. K-E-I-T-H-G-I-L-E-S.com. And you can follow the blog there. I blog pretty regularly there. I'm also on Facebook um, and Twitter and Instagram. I have a YouTube channel as well. You can just search my name, uh, and you'll find me on all those platforms. Um, I have a podcast that I do with some other guys called Heretic Happy Hour, which isn't for everybody. It's an acquired taste. You'll either love it or hate it. It's okay. If you don't, if it doesn't speak to you, that's okay. Uh, but I have a brand new podcast I just launched as well uh, called Peace Catalyst Podcast. And that's a podcast I co-host with a girl named Becca Pugh. Uh, we're focused on trying to help Christians learn how to become better peacemakers in the world and follow Jesus into this ministry of reconciliation that he's given us. Uh, I'm excited about that too. So, you know, if you have a chance, check that out too. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you for joining us. Thank you to Keith Giles for coming out and and Zooming with us. Thank you to Theus for joining us. And thank you guys for joining us right here on the Love and Grace podcast. Hopefully we'll see you next time.